So I kind of wanted to hear your thoughts. I know your thoughts, but I think it would be good for the church to hear what you think First John is all about, why we chose this book, and from your angle, when you were praying and reading, yeah, kind of fill us in on that. I love First John. Um, it's one of the most challenging books, I think. Um, if you if you really invest in what John is is saying. Um, and what I mean by that is there are some moments probably that you'll read and, and really dig into what we're talking about and ask yourself some hard questions um, because he is very blunt. He'll say, if you say you're a Christian and you do this, then you're, you're wrong. If you think you're this, but you're doing this, then you're not who you say you are. There, there are some things that are going to slap you upside the head that be like, you might even question, you're like, am I, am I really a Christian? Like, he's being pretty pointed. Like, if you say you love your brother and you don't, then you're not who you say you are. There, there are some hard sayings in this. So one of the reasons I feel like God is leading us towards this is because we have to be confident of who we are in Christ and that we know what that relationship looks like in order to share that with other people so that there's a confidence. He says at the end, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may have eternal life. It's like, I'm writing to you so you know this. There's a confidence. And so for me, this is a building of confidence of your relationship with Jesus that you stand on that to then go out and share that with other people. Um, the light and the love aspect and the last thing he said, I don't know if you caught it, um, the difference between Jesus and, and God, he's like, no, there is no difference. He doesn't know a God apart from Jesus. He says, knowing Jesus equals knowing the love of God. So if you are going to share Jesus with somebody, who also do you have to share with them about? The love of God, like God the creator, that's, that's up here. And then it's like, okay, through that, let me then tell you about Jesus and why I can have faith in him. So just the themes that run through it of light and and love. Um, it's a pastoral letter from my perspective. There's a lot of correcting. <laughs> like, these people are wrong. These you know false prophets and teachers and heresies and all this stuff being taught. So there's definitely a, like, don't do this kind of thing, but there's a, it's a pastoral like, hey, I want you to stay in this because you're being bombarded with all kinds of stuff in this world, and I need you to know who you are, so that you can do what I'm calling you to do. It's kind of my yeah. overview. I, I'm always kind of drawn. So when we pray, uh, when we think about the books we're going to go through, like by nature, I think as the longer I'm a pastor and elder, I'm drawn to books that are simplistic and not like he said in the video. I like these. Like he goes, hey, this don't let the simplicity fool you. Like there's a lot of depth in this. And that's kind of why I like the book of James, where I'm a big fan of listing things out. Like, hey, just tell me what to do. <laughs> right? Just make it easy. Like, die. like, I don't need riddles. Tell me. Um, and I think 1 John comes across like that. Like you said, it's like, look, if you don't love your brother, like, you're his murderer. Like, you know, like, like you said. So, like, to me, it's like, okay, we can't mince words here. And I think teaching as a pastor is like, uh, this is what we call fundamentals. Right? Like, and I think this is a common thing you and I found out. Uh, Tracy and I were we're praying is, well, how do we get into the fundamentals, right? Like, 
what is our, our, our faith built upon? So I don't, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, uh, uh, what are Christian fundamentals and, and why they're important, if you want to say anything on that before we, we dive into the text. Yeah, I think with, with anything that you're trying to do with excellence, if you don't have a firm foundation, you're not going to go as far as, as you could, perhaps. And so in terms of fundamentals of our faith, like we talk often about spiritual disciplines. Like, yeah, read the Bible, pray, and all those things are important. But really the bedrock of, of who we are is our understanding of, of God and our relationship to him. So that's why this, I think, is so critical for us moving forward. If we're going to, which my desire and I think the Lord's desire for us is to be more outward focused, to be out among the people who are not pursuing God, we have to be convinced of who God is and who we are. And that is fundamental like to our obedience to make disciples. You can't replicate what you don't know. right? You, you can't. You can't expect to do that. So the fundamental here is to know who you are in Christ so that you can use that to walk in obedience. Like that, that to me is like fundamentals allow you to be obedient in a way that brings glory to God. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, fundamentals, like you said, is I view it as like the knee jerk reaction, like what you train to do. So a lot of us, most of us came from like a military background or some kind of discipline, right? It's like, if this happens, your response should be X. Uh, so that's how I do fundamentals too. It's like, hey, this is my default position. When everything goes sideways in life, everything does go sideways. It's like, what's my default position? So there are Christian fundamentals. Like, hey, when this happens, when you're attacked, when there's problems at home, there's problems in the church, resistance from the world, or you're in sin, or you've got a loved one in sin. It's like, what's what's the Christian response? And there's certain things that are, yeah, they're fundamental. So that's good. Anything else you want to add? I would just say, as we're going through this, if you're a note taker, and even if you're not, like I'm not a big note taker, but there should be some things over these next several weeks that stand out to you as areas where you need to grow in your fundamentals of who you are as a believer and who God is in your life. Take note of those. Maybe tie that into your spiritual focus for 2022. Like, do something with the information. Don't just collect it. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. So, thank you, Trace. The reason why we're, we're kind of really emphasizing what these books are about, what our focus is going to be... Um, do you have pictures next, or do we have the title next, Miss Chris? Pictures. So uh, our sermon series is going to be about the fundamentals. So we, obviously, we go through the books. We're going to be true to the text. What are they talking about, right? So we, we're trying to go line by line, verse by verse, understanding the text. But as we're kind of hinting to, is we're really going to take the time to really try to draw out, for us, what is fundamental here? Because John is making some corrections in the church. So when we watch that video is we have people now. So John has written his gospel, and then now the, these home churches are planted, right? And the gospel's going forth. But how long do you think it takes until things start falling apart? Happens really quick, right? The enemy gets in there. So you have this beautiful thing. We, you know, you read in Acts, you know, everyone's waiting for the outpouring of the Spirit, and the Spirit comes, and then the disciples go out, right? And then Christianity is, is spreading like wildfire. But what happens is, do you think this is a very popular message? No, no, it's going, to, it's going to be trying to be crushed out, right? And so the more persecution comes, the more it spreads. And so in these house churches, like you saw, is there some, some false teachers are coming or people bringing a different testimony, preaching another Jesus, saying that Jesus Christ wasn't crucified, that Jesus is not the Lord. Amen? 
And so these letters, we have the side of the truth, right? So this is a two-way conversation. You realize that most letters in the Bible, uh, especially the Pauline letters, he's writing the churches, but you know they a lot of times they write back, right? Hey, this is what's happening. I think it's Corinthians. Is it Corinthians that actually has four letters? Jim, is that right? I think Corinthians is four letters, but we have two of them. Um, and so it's interesting. So, But the nice thing is, is in our Bibles is we have the side of the truth. Amen? So we don't know the shenanigans necessarily that's happening, but we have the critical response to that. So some pictures. So when we talk about fundamentals, so there's a couple things. So I always try to think, like, how do we relate to fundamentals and things we've heard? So Trace a couple weeks ago put up a picture and asked, hey, do you know who this is? I was jealous because I was like, man, that's a great way to get people thinking. Uh, and my wife told me, she goes, we need more we need more visual stuff, man. You're losing me here with your, your droning. So does anyone know who the guy not wearing a football helmet is right there? That is not John Mayer. <laughs> Hang on, I gotta deal with this John Mayer issue. I don't even know what to do. This whole sermon is wrecked. Because A, I like John Mayer. He's a killer, he's a guitar player, and he's my age. He was born the same year I was, so no, not John Mayer. What do I do with that? It's Vince Lombardi, thank you. I'm wrecked right now. I can't even tell you the John. Did you guys say that just to mess with me? Anyways. Uh, Joel, you're thinking John Madden when you said mayor. Okay, I see what happened. Yeah, yeah. No, so Vince Lombardi. So he was the football po- football coach of the Green Bay Packers. So when it comes to fundamentals, this guy probably has one of the most famous quotes. So you don't have to be in business or, or school very long, and someone wants to teach you fundamentals. They pull out the Vince Lombardi, and his quote was this. So in 1961, in 1960, the Green Bay Packers had, had just gotten blown out. They had a terrible loss. And Vince Lombardi had to say, like, I want to teach, we got to go back to fundamentals. So he walks in at the, the start of the season, I think it was 61, and he walks in and he lifts up the football and he's like, gentlemen, this is a football. And it's one of those just famous quotes, right? Because he went back to the basics of fundamentals. Like, let me just start with, let me tell you what this is. Now, you think that that's such a great insult because these are professional football players, right? But I'll tell you what, he never had, he never lost another playoff game in the next decade and he never uh, had a losing season. and Because he decided, hey, we're going back to fundamentals, block and tackle, how to screen, you know, all these things that people started to take for granted. He's like, no, we're going to go back to the basics. And so, gentlemen, this is a football. Okay, next picture. You know, and don't you guys say something weird like Slash or some other guitar player to this? Yeah, okay. So I'm not asking who the tall guy is. So does anyone know the tall guy? That's Kareem. That's right. Played for the Lakers. But I'm looking at the shorter uh, white gentleman there. Who's that? That's John Wooden. Coach Wooden, right? So coach of the UCLA Bruins. One of the most, uh, just probably inspirational coaches you could see in the sporting world. He was also a Christian man. And so his philosophy was a lot about reading the Bible and all these other things. But he is really famous. Again, you get into leadership books and coaching books on fundamentals. I want to read you a quote from him. And again, this, you're like, well, what does this have to do with First John? Again, we're trying to set what Christian fundamentals are going to do. Listen to this quote. He said, Wooden says, I believed in the basics, attention to and perfection of tiny details that might commonly be overlooked. They may seem trivial, perhaps even laughable to those who don't understand, but they aren't. They are fundamental to your progress in basketball, business, and life. There is a difference between champions and near champions. There are little details in everything you do. And if you go away from the little details, you're not teaching the thing as a whole. For it, it is the little things which taken together make the whole. 
Little things make the big things happen. In fact, there are no big things, only accumulation of little things done at a very high standard of performance. Now, the Bible has a weird quote. It says, it's the little foxes spoil the vine, right? It's the little things, right? It's the, how does sin start? The little things, right? Man is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires, right? And we have these little things that happen. And Christian fundamentals and standards, we know how to deal with these things when they happen. But the problem is we don't do the little things, and then what happens? The little thing grows, right? Is it easier to deal with, let's use uh, lust, is it easier to deal with as a thought or after you've already committed adultery? I'd much rather deal with it on the front end when it's a small thing. Christian fundamental, what what would be a verse I could use? I would, maybe I would say no temptation sees me except for what is common to man. Maybe a fundamental I would see is the men of God in the Old Testament, right, that just walks out of the room, right, when he was tempted. Do you guys know who that was? Grabbed his jacket. Who? Joseph. That's right. Joseph. Whose wife was it? Potiphar's wife, right? Came on to him. And he, what did he do? He hightailed it out of there, right? Like, get out of there. Like, there's all these wonderful lessons. And to me, these are very fundamental things to do. It's like the Bible tells us how we should deal with them. And so I like, I like that quote from Wooden. I also like this next picture of Wooden in his old age being odd in retirement. I just thought that was a sweet picture. I love it. And the man was so influential. Guys like Kareem uh, Abdul-Jabbar, who's you know, arguably one of the greatest to play, they come back to honor this man. They're like, hey, this guy, they owed their careers to him. I just thought that was really sweet. Uh, and Coach Wooden passed in 2010. Take the notes for the kids. <laughs> they bring that back for their price. Coach Wooden died in 2010. Okay. And last example here, fundamentals, this is where we're going to get into our sermon title, is, okay, I'm going to give you a Marines a layup. Who's that guy up at the front? General Mattis, right? Yeah, General Mattis. And so he was famous for saying, it was famous, he's still alive. Um, he had a saying, it's called, uh, the brilliance of what? Does anyone know this one? Brilliance in the basics. That's exactly right. Um, and so I wanted to read you... Uh, we decided that the sermon series, if you go to the next, uh, this is the, the sermon title, Brilliance in the Basics. So you're like, hey, that's pandering. Yes, it is. And uh, so Tracy and I were praying about what to call the sermon series. We want, you know, we were looking at fundamentals and all these other things. And Tracy's like, well, he goes, I like Brilliance in the Basics, and we thought this would resonate. But in his book, New York Times bestseller called, Call Sign Chaos, anybody? Anyone read this? Wasn't on the Commandant's reading list? I told Trace, I was like, look, I was in the Air Force. I was like, I can't go up here and start talking about Mattis. So I had to buy the book, read read it, right? So I haven't read the whole thing. Uh, but I did want to read what he says about brilliance and the basics. And he's talk, he says, uh, my early years with the Marines taught me leadership fundamentals summed up in the three C's. He says, the first is confidence. Be brilliant in the basics. Don't dabble in your job. You must master it. That applies at every level as you advance. Analyze yourself. Identify weaknesses and improve yourself. If you're not running three miles in 18 minutes, work out more. Disregard that for you guys. Uh, if you're not a good listener, discipline yourself. If you're not swift at calling in artillery fire, rehearse. Your troops are counting on you. Of course you'll screw up sometimes. Don't dwell on that. The last perfect man on earth died on a cross long ago. Just be honest and move on. Smarter for what mistakes have taught you. So this idea that he's advocating here for, for young Marines and Marines in general is just be about what you're about, right? Be good at what you do. Like, it, it just be second nature. In music, they teach you, there's a, a, an old quote that's been around just forever. It says, don't practice until you get it right. Audrey, practice. 
No, practice until you can't get it wrong. Uh, you just talked about that a couple days ago. I gave you a layup. Yeah, so don't practice until you get it right. Practice until you can't play it wrong, right? This idea, and Christianity to me is like that. Again, it's not, we're not looking at uh, some kind of law where you have to perform for God. That's not what this is about. We, we live by grace, amen? But there are certain things you would agree that we should do kind of automatically as Christians. If you would encounter adversity, so here's another layup question. What should be the first thing you do? Pray. Thank you. Right? You encounter adversity. The, but oftentimes, that, that's not the first thing we do, right? We call somebody that can help us, right? Like if you're a little bit tight on finances. Instead of stopping and praying, it's like you start thinking, it's like, who could loan me $100 today? Right? Does anyone else do that? things like that? Yeah, you start thinking in the natural, what can I do? But the Bible says, pray about everything. Always be praying. Right? And so th- to me, this is a fundamental. And it's not a, a work that's going to, you know, earn us brownie points with God. The Bible is teaching us. So when somebody persecutes you, they talk bad about you. So should I lash out at them, or what should I do? I should pray for them. Turn the other cheek. We have all these examples. Christian fundamentals, right? We're training, we're practicing. You are. The Bible says be imitators of God as dear children, right? And this is what God would do. So this is what we're about today. So brilliance in the basics. Don't dabble in your job. You must master it. Okay. So that being said, let's read our four verses. So we, this is a very long setup today. We don't have a whole lot of text. If you do have some questions, uh, Chris, would you go back? I'm sorry, one more. Um, there's that phone number at the bottom of the screen if you have any questions about anything we're talking about today. Um, I did want to say one more thing before we read the verses. Um, uh, Trace and I were listening to uh, a podcast about... Uh, um, the destruction of a very large church, a recent church, and had a very large sin problem, ego problem as a mega church that um, started off for all the right reasons and it grew and it just it, it ended terribly. Uh, I mean, what I think it imploded like five, six years ago. I mean, it's a recent memory thing. And we were talking about some of the lessons learned. And one big thing that that actually kind of there was a lot of problems, but one the the, the straw that broke the camel's back was actually is because the pastor was he he plagiarized a lot of stuff. I was telling Trace, I was like, well, uh, how often do we share our sources with our church? And I did want to say, people have asked me, and, and we put it up online. I think I think last year, Trace, we sent out the podcasts we listen to and books we like to read. and So, so we try to always tell you what our sources are and who, who inspires us and what we watch. Uh, but I did want to bring it up again because uh, plagiarism is not cool and passing along ideas that are not yours, right? That's just not good. Um, so I did bring some of these. Um, this is letters, uh, books about the... Uh, John. So if you want to see what kind of resources we use or things you might want to check out, you can come up and look at these afterwards. Uh, Trace has his, I have mine. Um, and so I, in, uh, in preaching, a lot of times you don't stop, but we don't footnote something. So we try if we do a direct quote, we'll try to put it on the board or we, we quote somebody here. But if you're just in, wonder, gen, in general wondering, hey, what kind of materials do my elders read and pastors read, we always want to make that available to you. Amen? That's a weird disclaimer right in the middle here. In case you're like, man, that guy's really smart. It's like, no, I just... I don't think anyone's ever called me smart, but I'm reading people who are a lot more educated and smarter. Okay, let's jump into 1 John. And while you turn there, we're in the first chapter. I'm going to say a quick prayer again, and this we'll read the word of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, would you help us to draw from your word, Spirit, when you would uh, have us to, to learn in this church, Father God. Lord, would you uh, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. 
We know you're the one that gives the eyes to see and the ears to hear. So we pray right now, Spirit, that you would do your work, that you would soften our hearts, that we wouldn't only be hearers, but we would be doers of this word, Father. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Let's read the first four verses. It says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, and he, and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Amen. So if you look at this, if you've got your Bible in front of you, uh, you see there he's uh, appealing to these senses, right? He says, that which from the beginning we, we heard, right? And we have what? We've seen and we have touched. We heard, we saw, and we touched. Now, when we went through our, our Gospel of John series, he, he, he liked these uh, images, right? He's like, look, I'm telling you the testimony because I've seen it, right? This is... My paraphrase of John, I was there, I saw him, I touched him, I, I was there. He's only missing two senses, right? The smell and the taste. And I would argue, if you're a near human being, you smelt that human being, right? right? And there's another scripture that says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, right? Like, he, he, John has experienced the Lord in all the senses, and he's trying to, he's writing to an audience now. He kicks off with this, like, hey, this is the testimony. I've seen him. Now, this is fascinating because now the church is, is not old. Obviously, this is what we would call the very early church compared to us. We're 2,000 years removed, but we are moving down the line. Jesus has been dead for a while now, and there's people in the church that haven't seen Jesus, that didn't know him. Now, the testimony of the gospel is changing lives, and not because they have physically seen Jesus. Amen? Now, in some of these resources, uh, I think it's fascinating. They don't end up in our canon. They don't end up in our, our Bible. But they've recovered letters um, uh, that other bishops of the early church wrote. This was actually a letter. Uh, again, it, it's not canon, right? But this letter exists that was written around the same time as 1 John. I want to read you just a small paragraph from it. This is uh, from uh, a church in Antioch, a guy named Ignatius. And he's writing to the church. He says, For I have observed uh, that you are established in immovable faith, being fully persuaded as touching our Lord, that he is in truth the family of David according to the flesh, God's son by the will and the power of God, truly born of a virgin, baptized by John, that all righteousness might be fulfilled by him, truly nailed to a tree in the flesh for our sakes under Pontius Pilate and Herod. For he suffered all these things for us that we might attain salvation, and he truly suffered, even as he truly raised himself, not as some unbelievers say, that his passion was merely semblance, but it is they who are merely in semblance. And even according in their opinion, it shall be to them, and they shall be without bodies. So this is a letter, and this guy's defending the faith, right? He says, no, Jesus really was the son of David. Jesus really did die on the cross for your sins. Not like others are saying that he only did it in semblance. He really did do this. And so 1 John, amongst other letters that are being written at this time, are, are testifying to the fact that Jesus 
is the risen Savior. So this church in Antioch was also having the same problem to the, uh, as the church that John was writing to, and we saw in the videos, most likely around where? Around Ephesus, right? So this kind of false doctrine was creeping into the worldwide church, and the bishops and all the, the elders and the apostles are writing to their young congregations, hey, hey, this really happened. Jesus did do this because this, this heresy has crept into the church. Amen? Fascinating stuff. Now, another good thing to notice about this, um, and we're not going to spend uh, too much time here, but I, I think you should dig into this, is when we read the Gospel of John, John kicks off uh, very much like the book of Genesis. Right? He, he does this uh, just wonderful opening in the Gospel of John. I'll read you just the first couple of verses to put it back to you. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. Whenever you hear the words, in the beginning, what's the first thing you think of? Genesis. Yeah, I think of Genesis 2. In the beginning, right? Uh, what, how does Genesis 1 go? They don't have it memorized? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Yeah, we have this wonderful thing. And then John says, in the beginning was the word. And then in, in 1 John, he says, that which was from the beginning, then he testifies, we have heard, we have seen, we have looked upon, and we have touched concerning the word of life. He's bringing us back into this environment where Jesus is the creator, right? He is the creator God. Now, there is something interesting found in Proverbs 8. If you would go to Proverbs, it will be up on the screen. Uh, This is not what this series is about, but if you read through the book of Proverbs, you're going to encounter this character called Lady Wisdom. Wisdom. And wisdom gets personified in the book of Proverbs, like it's a, like it's a human being, it's a person. And it's fascinating. And this goes to something, it's actually a very close tie into Jesus in my mind. And I want to read, starting verse 22, I want to read you something. Because this also, I think, mirrors what's happening here in 1 John. It says, the Lord, uh, in verse 12, the, whoever's speaking identifies as wisdom. In verse 12 it says, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and Wisdom now is speaking. In verse 22 it says, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I have been established from everlasting. From the beginning, before there was ever an earth. So now we see that whoever wisdom is, was there before there was ever an earth. When there was no depths, I was brought forth. When there was no fountains abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the world, which he prepared in the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he establishes the cloud above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters could not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, listen to this, verse 30, and I was beside him as a master craftsman. I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and my delight was with the sons of men. Now therefore listen to me, my children. For blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not disdain it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoever finds me finds life, 
and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul, and all those who hate me love death. You and I, we could go out to coffee, we could talk about Jesus, the wisdom of God. We could talk about how Jesus is the manifestation of wisdom. He's the manifestation of the word. And the part of that that always just touches my heart is my delight was with the sons of men. This idea of our creator God taking joy in his creation. And the pinnacle of his creation was this human that he made in his image. Amen? Now God tells us, he goes, don't make idols. Don't make images of me. You know why he says that? God already made an image of himself. You know who that is? Who? Us. God has already made an idol. It's called humanity. Right? We are the images of God. Remember how the serpent, the serpent uh, tempted Eve? said, truly you can eat this because once you do it, you'll be like who? Isn't that the sad irony that we were already like God? That we were made in his image? We are his image bearers, Right? Do not take the Lord's name in vain. That, that means so much more than cursing. Amen? Yeah. Don't bear his name in vain. We're Christians, Christ-like ones. Amen? We're bearing his name. We are his images. And the Bible says that he had this great joy. I took delight in the sons of men. And this, if, so if we go back to so John's painting, this Genesis 1 world, where God, if, if we go back and let's just picture this now. So God creates the heavens and the earth and he forms man out of the ground. And he gives man a companion, a woman, right? And God would walk in the garden with this man and this woman, right? So God dwelt with man. There was no shame there, right? They walked together. And then sin enters the equation. The Bible says that God was walking in the cool of the day, right? And Adam and Eve now know they're naked and they, they hide. Why did they hide? They were ashamed. They were naked. God, God says, He told you this, right? Like, busted. Right? And ultimately, we know what happens is man and woman get driven out of the garden. Now, did God forsake men at this point? No, we know that because God is talking to Cain. You know, we get another scene coming up where Cain has in his heart to kill his brother Abel. And God tells Cain, He's like, Sin is crushing. You should rule over this. This desire is for you. So now we see this thing, sin that desires for us, right? And we're, we know how the story goes. It's, we just keep getting more and more corrupt and more and more wicked. You know, we think that everything's just going to get better, but unfortunately, humanity is always devolving as far as sin goes, right? Wickedness compounds. So we have a Savior to come, right? So the gospel is, is that God now enters his creation, this, this creation that he took so much joy in that he loved. And John here, so... John says, like, truly, our fellowship, right? that word we just learned from that video, our fellowship is with God, and our fellowship is with you. And so what happened is in the garden, when sin entered, really, besides spiritual death, is our true fellowship with God was broken. That's what sin does, right? It separates us from our God. Now, separation doesn't mean God abandons. He's always seeking and saving the lost, amen? He's always searching out. Because he loves his creation. And he deals with his creation. But sin has separated us from our God from having a true relationship. 
right, we can't handle the nakedness. We can't be exposed to the living God, right? We're, we love the dark more than the light. You get all the images that John does here, right? Because when you're around the holy God, we've got to run to the darkness. And, and I'm no different. Nobody wants their sin exposed or their secrets exposed. The idea of, of me turning on a microphone and confessing everything I've ever done, it sounds like a total idea to me, right? Like I just wouldn't shrivel up and die. And that's to you. And your judgment at the end of the day means nothing to me, right? But it still hurts. Right? It still aches. So this idea of a creator who knows me intimately, that knows all the terrible things, and not only what I've done, but he also knows the motivations of why I did it. How selfish I am, right? So some of the things that I'm most ashamed about aren't necessarily what I've done, it's the motive behind it, right? Why do I cover up? Why do I act this way? Why, why am I jealous? Why, why is there hatred there? I know what I've done. I'm guilty. And so I have this broken fellowship. And Jesus comes and he restores the fellowship. We know the gospel story here that he became sin for us. Right? And he took the punishment. He, the Bible says it was nailed to the cross with him. Right? He suffered on our behalf. The stripes that were destined for my back, for your back, fell upon him. But he was pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The punishment fell upon him. And what this has done, friends, not only has this cleansed us, one of the great aspects is it has restored fellowship with God like Genesis 1. Jesus now has brought us back to the state like it was before the fall. Can you see this? That we are no longer in the dark, but we're in the light. That's right. He calls us the light of the world. Now this light is inside of us, and we have fellowship with God, and we have fellowship with each other. Right? We walk in the light. And John opens up with this thing, and he's, he's crying out to this church, look, people have gone in and they're saying that Jesus is not the Messiah. But let me remind you that I've seen, I've touched, right? I've been with the Messiah. And truly, we have fellowship with him. We have fellowship with you. And this fellowship, friends, is unbroken because of the Messiah. And we need more than anything is this fellowship with God. We need our relationship to our Creator restored and maintained. Amen? The Bible says that we may boldly approach the throne of grace in our time of need. Friends, there is no more hostility with God. The Scripture says some pretty scary things. You know, that God is angry with the wicked every day, right? We have all these things of, of this idea of an iron dome where our prayers can't get through to God because of us. Because we have no mediator, right? And that's why God, originally we had priests, right? We had all these people that went to God on our behalf. But do we need that person? No. Do you need me to go to God on your behalf? You have just as much right to enter the throne room of heaven as I do. I'm a bad example. Uh, as the Pope, right? As Billy Graham. Name your, your favorite theologian. Nobody has any more access than you do right now. Your prayers are just as powerful in Jesus as anybody who's ever walked in earth. Did you know that? If you are a repentant, believing believer, you have access to the King of the universe. Your fellowship is fully restored. It's amazing, isn't it? That's the, the fellowship we have. 
And so what would be a fundamental I would take away from this message then? Is that. The first fundamental is re- remind yourself. First John says, he goes, so that you may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship with the Father. Is remember that your fellowship is with the Father. Amen? That's the first thing you should remember is that your relationship with the Father is that if you confess your sins, right, you're forgiven. Just a fact. If you find yourself where you have sinned, you've walked away, you've made mistakes, you've hurt people, you're hurt. God is not far away from your friends. Jesus Christ has given you fellowship with the Father, with Him, with the church. One of the biggest lies the enemy likes to tell us is when you've sinned or you've messed up or anything you've done is you're not welcome, right? That you now have to bear some kind of punishment for whatever you've done. And then what that does is that makes us run back to the darkness, does it not? Have you ever done that or seen people where they get into sin and then it's like they disappear from the church, right? Because they're ashamed. Or, they, or not even the church, maybe they disappear from fellowship with you. They go back to the darkness. Because the darkness welcomes them. They say, oh, it's okay to be like that. And the light just cries out for repentance. And Jesus is there with open arms, just like Cain, who's getting ready to say, he's like, stop, this desire is for you. And the church should be a hospital that you run to, to be welcomed and be brought back in. Fellowship restored. Amen? Amen. So fundamental. We're not going to number all these, but I'm going to call it number one, because I'm the first guy up talking about this. Is the fundamentalist is remembering who you're in fellowship with. You're with him. Bible says that Christ is in you, that God is in you, that your body is the temple of the Spirit. It's not so much like your friends, like your buddies, but you've now joined in spirit to God. You are one in Him. Fellowship is made complete. You are so close to Him that prayer is not this formal thing now. It's almost as simple as, okay, here, I'm going to say this, but let me finish my thought before you call me a heretic. Because there's weirdos out here that have done this very wrong. Let's be careful. Let's talk about prayer and fellowship and worldliness. Here's the false teaching. I've actually heard this. This is shameful. I actually was on the television. This guy was saying, like, oh, because Christ is in me, I just pray to myself because I am Christ. That's what I did want to do. That's wacky. They're wrong. But Christ is in us, so let's talk about prayer. So a lot of times prayer to me is like I'm talking to myself. Does that make sense? I am not Christ. I am not God. But if I'm talking. Does that make sense? Talking to the one who is in me, not me. So sometimes prayer for me is more structured where I'm on my knees, I'm praying. Right? But when the Bible says pray always, everything gives thanks, what does that look like? I'm talking Constantly, kind of to myself, but talking to the Father and to the Son. That makes sense? Amen. Is that how you guys do it? I'll see somebody, and let's just say I'm driving, I see something. I can't go over there and interact. I do this often when I see kids walking next to the street. My wife always calls me a nervous Nancy. I don't like kids walking near busy streets. <laughs> and I, so I'm driving, I'm like, oh Lord, protect that child, please. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're walking too close, Lord, please get that kid away from the center. But that's how I'm doing it. You know? I'm not really even saying it out loud, I'm just mentally talking to myself and I'm praying and I'm doing all these things. And when I stop and think about this, is like, he's in me all the time. The Lord never leaves me. My fellowship with him is so united and 
bonded together. Amen? Amen. So when you find yourself in a problem or in doubt or in sin, I'm in fellowship with Paul. And if I've sinned, let me just get this under the blood of Jesus. Let me restore this. Let me make sure there's nothing between me and my Creator. Amen? Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. I think I'm going to wrap with that. But the only thing I can do now is put my foot in my mouth. Okay? I keep going on here. Okay. Let's pray. Let's do that. Oh, hey. Look at that. I think it would be good, as, as, as one of the elders here, is uh, this week, read, read the first chapter. I think... Uh, the Bible is, uh, you've probably heard this, um, it's meditation literature, right? The more you read it, meditate on it, reflect on it, you think on it. Um, so I would encourage you to do that. You know, like, we're, we're only taking this in bite-sized chunks, but the Bible is to be consumed in its, its content, right? It's, it's, the first four verses, what's going to happen is Trace is going to preach next week, and, and John's going to get to it, right? So he kind of, you notice this letter wasn't addressed to anybody, right? Like some of the other letters. And the Bible Project video says like it's more like a sermon, right? Like that we're, that we're reading here. He's writing an encouragement to a church. So read just the first chapter. Get it in your heart. And start meditating on these things, right? Meditating on what these things mean. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for your word, your great grace uh, towards us. Lord, uh, my prayer for today is the remembrance that we have fellowship with you that we have peace with you through the cross of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for those that don't have that relationship. Father, those that are on the wrong side of that tree that Jesus hung on. Father, I ask you for every soul in here that does not belong to you yet. Father, I pray for salvation. Holy Spirit, we know this can only come from you, that you are the giver of life. So Holy Spirit, I pray you breathe life in us. Would you help us to uh, understand this fellowship we have with you? What it means to be the temple of God. What it means to be called the children of the Most High. Father, to be your chosen, your elect, as you call us. Father, you called us out of this world. Like the prodigal son, Father, you pulled us out of the miry clay, out of the dirt, out of the pig pen. You crowned us loving kindness and tender mercies and placed a robe around our back and a ring on our finger and you rejoiced that we've come home. Father, we love you and we thank you. And we thank you, Father God, we'll be responsible for this gospel that we will share this, Father. You've given us this great promise that as, as many should call upon the Lord we'll be saved, Father. Jesus, you said if you would be lifted up you would draw all men unto yourself. We have this great responsibility to continue to lift up the name of Jesus, to proclaim the gospel, to be witnesses, even to the end of the age. Father, give us boldness, give us wisdom, give us strength and endurance. Father, because you truly said we you would never leave us and you would never forsake us. You are here with us now. Your word says wherever two or three are gathered in your name, you are there. You're always here, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for this relationship we have with you. 
We thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for your people, the people of God. I thank you for this wonderful congregation, Father. You've truly blessed us with a loving, caring people. Father, so I pray, like the book of Acts, as many should be saved, that you would add to this ministry. Father God, that we would be an ever-increasing light here in Oceanside to this school, to this, this community. Father God, a people of restoration, of love and forgiveness. The church said, Amen and Amen.